Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants Inn Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. Hello and welcome back to Plodcast. Today we are discussing the case of BC and the Chief Constable of the Police Service of Scotland. In this case, a group of police officers exchanged sexist, degrading, racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic and disability-mocking WhatsApp group chat messages off-duty. They also posted crime scene photographs of their current investigations. No crime was committed in posting those photographs and messages, but the case came down to the question, was the WhatsApp group chat a private matter for the officers taking part, or could they be subjected to disciplinary action for their messages? I'm Lauren Mez from 3D Solicitors, and with me today to discuss this case is Dijan Basu, Queen's Council of Surgeons Inn. Dijan, thank you for joining us again. Good to be with you. What was the case about? Uh, well, in the uh, wonderfully ornate language of Scottish law, uh, this was a reclaiming motion heard by the inner house of the Court of Session against the refusal of the Lord Ordinary to grant the reclaimers declarator and interdict. Uh, but in the uh, simpler and um, less interesting language of English law, it's an appeal to the Scottish equivalent of the uh, Court of Appeal by 10 police officers who were in, a, in that WhatsApp group that you've described against the rejection by the first instance judge, Lord Bannatyne, of their claims for uh, judicial review against Police Scotland. Uh, they, they'd sought declarations and an injunction to prevent the use of those messages against them in the uh, misconduct proceedings on privacy grounds. And how did the group chat come to the attention of the police? Well, uh, another officer who was a member of the group was suspected of a serious uh, sexual offence, and so he'd had his phone seized by police uh, as part of the investigation, and it was analysed. And the investigating officer discovered that he was a member of two group chats, uh, and then he saw the contents and discovered that the messages were sent by the appellants uh, as members of those group chats. And what happened next? Uh, well, the investigating officer shrewdly deduced from the names of the group chats, which were uh, PC Piggies and uh, Quality Police, but spelt with an S, uh, that the other members of the group were police officers. Uh, and so um, reported the messages to the professional standards department, who then referred the officers to misconduct hearings. And what was the content of these messages? Well, as you've um, summarised, the, the Lord Ordinary, in other words, the first instance judge, Lord Bannatyne, considered that uh, and, uh, these messages hadn't been published, they're not in the judgment, but he characterised them as, as being such that a reasonable person uh, would be entitled to conclude that the messages were sexist, degrading, racist, anti-Semitic, uh, homophobic, mocking of disability, and uh, including a disregard for police procedures by posting photographs of current investigations. So, so they were charming messages, uh, as he found them. What happened in the appeal? Well, fundamentally, the officers lost. So the inner house mostly agreed with um, the Lord Ordinary's decision. Uh, but of, of some interest, they, they disagreed with him uh, on his... Uh, conclusion that the law of Scotland 
by extension from the law of um, England and Wales, contained a common law right to privacy. Uh, and he based that conclusion on the decision of the House of Lords in Campbell and uh, Mirror Group Newspapers Limited, uh, the Naomi, Naomi Campbell case. And why did they disagree with this conclusion? Uh, well, uh, Naomi Campbell's case, which was a, obviously an English case, uh, was actually a case about the English and Welsh common law obligation of confidence. Uh, and the inner house said, well, the same, same obligation uh, exists in Scotland. Uh, and they held that a better view, or the better view, was that neither the law of England and Wales nor the law of Scotland contained a common law right of privacy in, in contrast with the Article 8 right to respect for private and family life, etc. And what were their conclusions on Article 8? As I say, they mostly agreed with the Lord Ordinary, but they disagreed on two smaller issues which had actually favoured the officers, so they weren't part of the appeal. But the first was his reference to the messages being exchanged within a confidential context, and he said that created a risk of confusion between privacy and confidentiality, which are distinct concepts. Uh, and, it, and the second aspect on which they disagreed with him was in relation to the conclusion that the uh, reclaimers, the, the appellants, had, the, had trust and confidence in other members of the group. Uh, and, and so in, in disagreeing with that conclusion, they, they seem to have relied in part on the fact that the police officer members of the group were each duty-bound and the standards of professional behaviour, their code of conduct, uh, to report, challenge or take action against any of the other officers uh, whose uh, behaviour fell below the standards of professional behaviour. Uh, and so that, that obligation is obviously uh, applicable to police officers whether or not they're uh, on duty. And how did they assess the Article 8 claim? Uh, well, the, the, the first question in any Article 8 claim is whether there's a reasonable expectation of privacy. Uh, if there's not, then Article 8 is, in the, is inapplicable. In that case, the, the claim will fail at the first hurdle. And how did the court look at this question? Well, they, they said that uh, in, in determining that question, it was necessary to focus on both the circumstances and on the underlying value or collection of values which Article 8 is designed to protect. And so the circumstances of this case included the nature of the activities and, in this particular case, the content of the correspondence. And importantly, the fact that the person claiming a reasonable expectation of privacy was the holder of a public office or a public official uh, was part of the uh, relevant circumstances. And can you explain what this means in this context? Uh, well, police officers hold a public office which requires them to accept certain restrictions on their private life. Uh, and that was relevant to the question of whether the officers could, in these circumstances, be said to have had a reasonable uh, expectation of privacy. Uh, and, and furthermore, the, the nature of the material that was said to be private was also relevant to the question whether there was a reasonable expectation of privacy. We've already discussed the nature of the, the material at issue. We know the messages were of an offensive nature. How is this factored in? Uh, well, uh, in this case, the the messages didn't contain any any personal information about the officers. Um, what they did do, however, was to call into question the extent to which they recognised their duty to uphold fundamental rights and to uh, accord equal respect to all people according to the law. In fact, ironically, some of the messages constituted a, plea, a clear breach of the duty to keep certain information obtained in the course of their duties confidential. 
And you might think that those wishing to keep messages from disclosure, their own messages from disclosure, best not themselves be disclosing information which they shouldn't. So the police officers knew they were messaging other people who were, were like each of them, as fellow police officers, under a positive obligation to report such messages. And they're duty-bound to do so, even though they fail to do so. And so viewed objectively, this must have greatly increased the objective risk of disclosure of the messages by another member of the group. What did the inner house decide on this point? Well, they held that in the circumstances, the reclaiming officers could have no reasonable expectation of privacy in relation to these WhatsApp messages. So in that, they they firmly agreed with the Lord Ordinary. So that was the end of their claim. And did the inner house go on to consider the legal issues if they were wrong? and if the officer's Article 8 rights were, in fact, applicable? Well, hopefully they, they did exactly that and, and summarised the, the relevant issues. And what were those issues? The situation where Article 8 is engaged or, or applicable, in other words, where a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy on a relevant occasion, and where there's an interference with that right and that attains a certain level of seriousness, uh, the court's got to consider two things. F- firstly, whether the interference uh, was such as was in, in accordance with the law. Uh, and secondly, was the interference, uh, here the intended disclosure and the use and misconduct proceedings, uh, necessary and proportionate? What did they say about whether the interference was in accordance with the law? Um, well, for that requirement to be satisfied, then there must be an accessible and foreseeable legal basis for the intended use of the material. And so the inner house relied on two decisions of the Court of Appeal of England and Wales uh, in concluding, according to the Lord Justice Clark, Lady Dorian, paragraph 108 of the judgment, that there is a very clear, specific public interest in the maintenance of a properly regulated police force and its importance to the retention of public confidence and the proper discharge of police duties. And then she she went on at paragraph 112 to to say this, the maintenance of a properly regulated police force is something which squarely falls within an identifiable policing purpose. The disclosure of the information at issue would not be arbitrary, but would be dictated by consideration of the relevant policing standards and breaches thereof. Disclosure is for that limited purpose and no other. What did the inner house say about necessity and proportionality? Well, uh, having found that then there was a there was an appropriate legal basis, so it was um, the interference was such as was in according to the law. They then had to look at the twin test of necessity and proportionality, as your your question suggests. Uh, and the question of that is usually considered together. It breaks down into four questions, that, that, that issue, um, which themselves overlap somewhat, and they're best set out by the Supreme Court in the Bank Milat case. Um, so first, whether the objective of the impugned measure is sufficiently important to justify the limitation of a fundamental right. Um, second, whether the impugned measure is rationally connected with the objective. Uh, third, whether a less intrusive measure could have been used uh, without unacceptably compromising the objective. And then fourth and finally, whether having regard to those matters and the severity of the consequences, a fair balance has been struck between the rights of the individual on the one hand 
and the interest of the community on the other. And how was this applied in this case? Um, well, the, the Lord Ordinary with whom the uh, Inner House agreed uh, concluded that the disclosure was necessary in the interest of public safety and the prevention of crime or disorder. Uh, and he felt that, or he considered that uh, an officer who behaved in the way he revealed in the messages uh, could reasonably be inferred to be someone who would be likely to lose the confidence of the public and cause a decline in the general confidence of the police. Um, it was essential, he said, for the purposes of uh, successful policing that the police maintain the confidence of the public uh, without which public safety would be at risk. And what does this mean for future similar cases? Um, well, Lauren, this is a strong case for, for police forces which come into the uh, into possession of messages between police officers where a reasonable person, uh, having regard to the content, would be entitled to reach the conclusion that they're discriminatory and or show a flagrant regard for police procedures uh, and which would under, undermine public confidence in the police if they came to light. Uh, and in those cases, um, Article 8 will provide no shelter to such officers. Uh, and also the judgment is of considerable assistance in cases where, for example, police discover serious misconduct on the part of officers through legitimate covert activity, for example, uh, in the course of a, a criminal investigation, um, which misconduct would undermine public confidence in the police were it to become known, uh, even if it doesn't become known because the officers um, act furtively and in secret. Uh, and in fact, many professionals, not just the police, have to accept certain restrictions on their private lives uh, and obligations which apply to them outside the performance of their duties at work uh, because of the very nature of their profession. And so in, in those sort of cases, this case uh, of C and the and Police Scotland will, to an extent, read across to them. Well, thank you so much for coming today, Dijan, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for downloading the Plod Podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.